Hey everyone, this week on Hot Girl Torah, Emily and I will talk about Passover and traditions and some insider scoop on what Passover is really like, so check it out. So, a little Passover recap... I had spring break in March, but we hmm. did days off for Passover because it's the same. It was the same weekend as Easter. Um, and so we got like the Friday off and the Monday off, which was super nice because first night was Wednesday, second night, Thursday. So people just went home if they could. Um, I stayed on campus, but my Passover was very nice. Um, for the first night, I went to a Seder put on by Hillel. And for the second night, me and my friends put on our own Seder in one of their apartments and more on that later. But it was definitely one of my favorite Seder experiences I've had in a long time. That's so nice. Yeah. What about you? I was home. I went home to New Jersey to visit my family for like a week um, because I had off work. Um, And then I did Seder with like my whole family we, we always have like a big seder last year was like 30 plus people this i know it's crazy and this year this year was less it was only like 18 15 18 um yep. but we, we set up like two full tables like with full seder plates full 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 passover shindig all all the things yeah we used to when we used to do it at my like at my bubby's house we'd have like four like what 15 foot rounds wow and like another full-size dining table all filled with people that is amazing crazy now that i think about that that's actually so great oh and sometimes except i can't remember this might be rosh hashanah we would get a bouncy house that is sick wait i never realized how funny that is (laughs) Just to, like, entertain the kids? Yeah, because, like, I had a ton of cousins growing up. I mean, not even that many. Like, a good amount. Like, a regular amount. And my bubby would get us, like, activities. So one time she, like, got us, like, a clown. Like, the clown was weird. But the bouncy house was fun. (laughs) A clown. Oh, my God. I probably would have been terrified. (laughs) No, it was really just to, like, entertain us. And, like, we would have the time of our lives in there. I love that. That's super smart. I mean, no harm, honestly. Keeps the kids entertained. Why not? Yeah. I think maybe that was for more for Rosh Hashanah because during Passover, like we did the Seder and like that was always fun. Oh, true. You kind of have to like sit for that. And we had like, you know, we had to do like the four questions. Speaking of, we went around my Seder table and did this, but which of the four sons are you? Oh, I'm definitely the wicked child for sure. Yeah. Which one are you? I'm the wise, I think. Yeah. Or yeah. the wicked. Either the wise or the wicked. You're the wise for sure. Yeah. Um, I love like Hey Alma did like a meme slide of like a bunch of different TV shows, like one mm-hmm. wicked child, one wise child one child who doesn't know how to act ask and then what's the fourth one? Oh, come on we should know this wait wicked wise doesn't know how to ask and simple mm. mm-hmm. like i saw one with like the cast of succession it was so funny 
I bet if I watched Succession, I would think it was really funny. Um, when we do it at my Seder, my like uncle will always like jump in and do the wise son one, like so that like my dad and like his brother can't do it or like his sister can't do it. My it's like always the same joke every single year. Also, my family, I don't know if this is a normal thing, but my family has like on our Haggadahs, they all have our names on them and we like they're at our table and like there's like notes in them from previous years and my note from last year was so funny that's so cute I love that that's such a unique um like family tradition you think I like I mean I grew up with it I thought that was like normal true I mean no maybe it is maybe it's not I don't know at my Passover seders we always like everyone had a different Haggadah and you like got to pick like we had a million Haggadahs and you got to pick whichever one you wanted Oh, different ones like different like styles mm-hmm. like one is like comic book Haggadah and one is like the super like this is the Haggadah and one is like Haggadah for kids and one's like a Passover through music like <laughs> the super this is the Haggadah <laughs> that's the one I would pick <laughs> I-, I would pick the comic book um, oh my god, I saw such a funny tweet about like, oh, I'm never gonna be able to find it about like how like millennials love to make their own Haggadah. That's funny. Okay, so I mean, something interesting I'm reading about the four children is that when they are listed in the Torah, they are listed in a different order than they're listed in the Haggadah. If I'm if I'm reading this correctly, which is interesting because they're not either listed in order of their moral standing and they're like not listed in any certain like or like order of, you know, which one's good or which one's bad. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, which I think says something interesting about how, like, no matter how you show up to the Seder, like, I don't know, see at the table. Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder why it's so like, why is the order different? It might be super just random. Yeah, I mean, who knows? But it definitely, I mean, it's not what is clear is that it's not clear. I mean, what is clear is that it's not clear is that it, there is an <laughs> obvious, like an obvious set order. Um, That's cool. Yeah, we always do a reading on that and we always do a song. Like we always sing the four children's song. Oh, yeah interesting it's still interesting because i what i think it is saying is that the answers the children represent the question the four questions but they are not in the same order that the questions are presented are not in the same order as like the order that we talk about um the four children and like all questions i think are valid definitely okay that makes sense yeah did you guys, when we, or did you, what did you do when you did Passover, like, growing up? We always did it with, like, family, friends, casual, first part of the Seder, eat the meal, wrap it up real quick, and go home. We don't even do, we didn't do the, like, after the meal part. We didn't even do Afi Komen this year. Really? Yeah, because there's, like, no kids anymore. We did Alfie Coleman, like <laughs> six 21 to 23 year olds sitting around a table. Oh my God, I wish I should have. It was so fun. Also, like, 
I feel like my sister would be like, oh my god, my dog's gonna eat the matzah. <laughs> she has a um a collar for her that says, I found the afikomen or like something like that. That's cute. Um, what did you guys ever do plague bags? No, what are plague bags? Okay, that's another thing that I could have sworn on my life that everybody did. <laughs> <laughs> Like, for, like, all the ten plagues, we would get, like, a little, like, activity. So, the first plague, water turning to blood, we would get, like, everyone would get, like, a red sticker. And you have to, like, stick the sticker on your person, say, next to you. Or, like, it was a red something to represent it. And then the frogs one, you would get, like, a little frog that like you can like make it jump with like your finger yeah Um, the lice would be like a fake bug like it was all like stuff from like the dollar store like the flies was like um oh the flies would always be like a comb to like uh like lice oh yeah 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 lice yeah um the cows would be like a little cow figurine the hail was always the best one because it was ping pong balls and you had to throw it at people Ooh. That's good. We did that too, but like we had like the little frogs, and, like the little cows. They were just on the table. Mm, like mm. And for for hail, we did um pom poms, like white pom poms, and I always thought those were fun. Yeah, well, because it's funny because like then like you have hail like th- being thrown throughout the entire seder. True, that never stops. <laughs> <laughs> and then like ending, of course, with the killing of the firstborn. Where I was, where I'd always like be like oh that's you alana like not me (laughs) not me that's you (laughs) that's funny you'd be like i'm safe (laughs) right right we would always it would be like all firstborn children like had to put on a hat and me and like my cousins who were second children were like (laughs) i love that but also like thinking about it i and like doing a little bit of reading on this i'm like like I don't know. That's kind of messed up, don't you think? What? <laughs> like, like born? Yeah. <laughs> like doing like I mean, like making it so like cartoonish. I, I mean, I like okay. I think that there's something to be said about um, Passover's story in general, and like the cartoony like way that it's portrayed in some Haggadahs, like in popular culture like in the way that we celebrate it like i feel like i mean this is all jewish holidays are serious yet we like celebrate them like they're crazy i mean look at purim um but like i think with passover specifically like literally you know the plagues were pretty you know fucked up yeah i mean god really like did that to the egyptians yeah that I mean it was pretty bad yeah like I think that something that really shocked me when I first started like studying Torah and Judaism like academically was like how violent it is in the Bible um and I think I don't know I think that that's it's like just goes to show that it's not like your religious texts aren't all good all the time yeah that's true I mean I think it speaks to like the piece of text that I brought for today um which is from Exodus chapter 12 
um and starts verse 43 goes into like verse 46 um the general idea or what's happening in this is like god is talking to moses and aaron and like telling them the rules of passover and basically like i'm gonna set you free like blah 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 here's what you do blah 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 um and (laughs) god's telling them like the rules for celebrating the commemoration of their freedom each year going forward. And he says, um, no estranged one may partake in the Passover sacrifice, Um, which estranged basically means like a Gentile, a non-Jew, anyone not part of the community. And so that's basically saying like a non-Jew may not take part in the Passover meal. And then the next couple of verses too are like the slaves are not permitted. The sojourner is not permitted. Um, it must be eaten in one house. There's like all these rules that God is like, here's how you celebrate me giving you freedom. Huh. Um, any uh, uncircumcised male may not take part in the meal. Um, like the stranger may not take part in the meal. And especially verse 49, it says there shall be one law for the native, which means like the native like Jew or the Israelite and one for the stranger who resides in your midst. So for the guest, for the Gentile. So basically, like there's two like two law books, one for us and one for them. Hmm. What God is saying Um, and. Kind of going back to like. Reading. biblical or reading texts in the context of the time in which they were created or written or transcribed is that makes sense that like a Gentile was not invited to a Passover meal or celebration in that time because a Gentile would probably not be thrilled to be there with like the Israelites. They like weren't really friends at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So God is saying this to like protect the Israelites and say like, don't let anyone else come to this special meal for fear of like being discreet, like, I don't know, being attacked or like you just escaped from Egypt. All those people hated you. Don't let them come to your Passover celebration. But now um, it's been actually reinterpreted that just uh, takes the first part of that, that said uh, verse 43 no estranged one may partake in the Passover sacrifice. Well, the Hebrew for Passover sacrifice translates to the lamb, like the lamb mm-hmm. shank. So basically just means like a non-Jew can't engage in eating in the holy lamb that is on the holy lamb leg that is on the table, which like I've never been at a Seder where people actually eat the leg that's on the plate, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how it's been like reinterpreted and read in the context of these times, which is like, of course, a non-Jew is invited to a Seder. Like it's lovely to share our traditions uh-huh. with people. And so many people are curious about it. Um, and there's just like that one little thing. that's like, just don't eat the lamb that's on the plate. My Seder, we didn't even have a lamb. <laughs> so- yeah. Yeah. We, it's literally like, no, we have a, sh- we have literally have a lamb shank that like goes in the freezer every year. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of families do that because who eats a lamb shank? Like, <laughs> like we, we just didn't have one because at college we don't have lamb shanks. Wait, uh, interesting, Leanne, wait, interesting because it says the Torah, like what the, what the text is saying, like no 
uncircumcised male may eat of the sacrifice, but it says nothing about women, which obviously is a common theme in the Torah. But like, you know, true. But a Gentile woman participate in the service, which like honestly probably wouldn't be as intimidating as a Gentile man. Like, like it doesn't pose a threat. Right. Which, like, also, like, there are plenty of examples of, like, women in the in the Torah being threats, like, or, like, being destructive, so. Absolutely. Because I, I really feel like all my life I have heard that it was a mitzvah to, like, invite um, a non-Jew, like, into your space. But it's made, like, super clear here that, like, this is a, this is something separate just for Jews, um which you know honestly for a holiday that like celebrates like our freedom from slavery i don't know i feel like that's warranted absolutely especially in the days like it's really just god trying to protect the israelites from being taken into slavery again he's like keep your seder on the dl like don't let anyone else in please <laughs> basically yeah yeah like here's here is your time to like celebrate and recognize like this horrible thing that happened and like all this terrible stuff that you went through Absolutely. Huh. so one of the so i had my passover seders that i went to at home and then once i came back to dc i like went to like a passover dinner it wasn't really a seder but like a passover dinner with some friends mm. um and someone brought up that at like one of their seders that they had a whole conversation about reparations and the Passover Seder and that like there's actually a line of text in the Megillah like in the story that the Israelites the Hebrews like were given or took all of the like gold and silver from the Egyptians on their way out which is fascinating especially because like you know, do you really need reparations after you killed the firstborn son? But it's like also like, you know, we were slaves to these people in Egypt for so long that it's like, yeah, like you deserved all of this terror for like, you know, enslaving another group of people. We are not only going to kill your firstborn son, but also take all of your riches. Yeah. Um, um, but also like, I don't know if that's like, because like it also could be seen as like such like a like a woke try hard like sort of interpretation <laughs> a little bit right yeah that's super interesting what came to mind like exactly as you said that was was the stolen gold used in the golden calf because that happened while they were in the desert i'm After- sure wait i'm i guarantee it i also guarantee it and therefore the golden calf is made of stolen gold which is like, what's the moral moral repercussions of that? Right, especially like, because the like Ten commandments is don't steal. Not only is it, it's don't steal, but don't, don't create don't create idols and don't murder. So yeah. I feel like it was like, okay, yes, like the Jews had to go through all of this, um, but it like you know, and we did some pretty you know fucked up things back in turn you know for being enslaved but like you know at the end of the day came to terms with no none of those things were okay and like you know maybe it was like um like divine will that like you know we're not even gonna 
use these stolen pot like gold and silver we're just gonna like make an idol which is gonna be worthless anyway yeah i mean aaron like took all of the golds that they had yeah 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 because moses was away for too long on top of the mountain talking to god like chit-chatting too busy too busy to engage with his people i guess so i mean so then there's like the whole idea of like teshuva which is like so integral to judaism that like like atonement obviously like we talk about teshuva during like yom kippur rosh hashanah season but like the fact that like no matter what has happened in the past and like you know who you know who the jews have become now or like who people have become now individually that like there's always the possibility of turning around and like teshuva is very clear there because of you know like all of this bad stuff happened we retaliated as a people yet we also like understand and like now have these like set literally in stone set in stone laws of like no like you know these things happened and you know our lives have become this now but like here's how we'll like never allow those things to happen again yeah sorry i'm still thinking about this gold and the calf yeah or we move on like I'm wondering if the calf was just the last straw because like, I don't know. First they steal the gold. Okay. Then, then Moses goes to the Mount Sinai to get the 10 commandments, whatever he leaves them for 40 days. And they're like, we're bored. Aaron, like, let's do something. No, they're not like we're bored, but like, (laughs) they're like, well, Moses is not going to come back. He's left us. So like, we need something to worship. Yeah. Like Aaron make the thing. So Aaron like gets all their gold, makes the calf. And then the day that Moses comes back from the mountain, the calf is there and he sees it. And that's when he breaks the Ten Commandments because he gets so angry, he throws them. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, Moses at this point is just so frustrated because like he like literally like had to beg on his knees for pharaoh to let the israelites go out of slavery and like was working you know buddy buddy with god to like get him to like do all these messed up things to the egyptians finally like has to kill their firstborn i'm sure like moses is the only one who actually feels guilty about it like the rest of them are just like riding on the wave of freedom you know yeah he goes and he's like all right i'm gonna like get us like the laws of the people like i'm gonna get us what we need to like power through and make it to the promised land and he gets back down and they're like so ungrateful and they've stolen all this shit from the from the egyptians on their way out yeah wow so it's really just like yeah i mean the calf was moses's last straw he's like really i did all these things for you and now you're gonna go against what i told you but it's also like yeah like this it was stolen goods Mm-hmm. like being created into this like into the calf and like that is going to show like you know if they were stealing it for like one last like oh like in your face it was still used for for bad that's true so the lesson at the end is like uh thievery does no good i mean it's gratitude everything that we talk to always come comes back to gratitude so true always comes back to gratitude like you know it's i mean and that is the that is the essence of passover dainu it would have been enough would have been enough but we we'd had to take the gold and silver exactly it's a two-way street 
Like it would have been enough if they enslaved us for one year. Would have been enough. They slayed us for two years. Like we say it during Passover, like about that. Mm -hmm. But it also would have been enough for them if we had just done the first plague and gotten out of there. (laughs) Well, I mean, that would have been like, that's like. Enough for us. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Like like we had to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and then, you know. As crazy as this might seem, there is a precedent in Jewish tradition for such a case. Sanhedrin 91a relates how the Egyptians brought a case before Alexander the Great making a claim against Israel for the gold and silver the the Hebrews took out of Egypt. Oh my god, there was like a court case. There was like an old-timey court case about it. That's so interesting. Makes sense that would be in the Talmud. I mean... Yeah, I mean, they had, I'm sure the rabbis had the same discussion of, like, was this okay? Oh, my God. This is the exact discussion they had. God, we're, like, we're, like. We're, like, the rabbis of the Sanhedrin. Yeah, literally. After figuring out how much the back wages would cost them, the Egyptians fled. So, basically, okay. Just as the Torah described the theft, the Torah also described that 600,000 Hebrew men had performed hard labor for Egyptians for 430 years. So the Torah is like, got you there. Like a a little bit of gold and silver isn't going to kill you, which like is the argument that like the reparations story, you know, you know, is making. Mm hmm. This this rumination may have hinted at in the commandment to give a liberal gift to a slave when setting him free. That's really interesting. So in Deuteronomy 15, 13 through 14, basically says, like, when you set a slave free, you should give give them reparations. And it not only just a reparation, but it should be a liberal reparation. Like it should be, you know, extreme. Yeah. Barachot 32a in the Talmud. Mm-hmm. Um, describes the potential dialogue between Moses and God after Israel sinned and also insinuates that the gold was not only stolen, but it was used in the worst way possible. Uh, Moses says be- in this story, because of the gold and silver that you lavished upon Israel during the exodus from Egypt until they said enough, Dainu, it was this wealth that caused Israel to make the golden calf. It is literally gratitude. Yeah. The Talmud concludes that God eventually conceded this point, acknowledging partial complicity in the sin due to his commanding the Israelites to take the gold and silver, forcing them a huge temptation. That is fascinating. Wow. That is really fascinating. I mean, it's exactly what we were just talking about. I mean, it's like it's. It is not only just God instructing reparations and like literally creating a law in Deuteronomy about how you must give reparations to a slave, but then God going back on his word and being like, you know what? He was, I mean, God was probably just as fed up as Moses was like, let my people go. And then was like, you know, yeah, take all their shit also while on your way there. And then they got greedy. Yeah. That's true. They got greedy. Yeah. I mean, it's like when you're given the taste of, you know, that freedom that you haven't had in a, in such a long time, like you can't like I can't blame them. Yeah, that's true. And that's another commandment, like do not covet, which is like, don't be greedy. OK, don't so what is that? 
don't want what's not yours. It's not yours. Like that's what a handful of laws that we just talked about, like in the Ten Commandments, that are solely based on like this one particular instance. Like, you know, how beneficial can slavery can you know freedom of slavery obviously do? But then like you're forced with dealing with the consequences of you know being enslaved for that long. Like slavery doesn't just end when you know, your people are let free, then you have to deal with reparations, you have to deal with, you know, the inability to regulate your wants and, you know, have gratitude with your life because you've never been able to have gratitude with your life. Yeah, I mean, the Israelites didn't know how to be free. They hadn't been free for, what, hundreds of thousands of years? I don't know how far back. (laughs) A couple hundred. They hadn't been free for like hundreds of years, so they didn't know how to. So they got greedy when they got it. They were like, oh, a little bit of freedom. Give me all the freedom. Give me all the gold. Let's make a calf like blah, 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 blah. Right, right, right. Like, give me something to believe in right now. Like, I don't want to wait any longer. I'm free. Like, I want to go to the promised land. Like, like, F you, Moses. Like, take your like. Yeah, like go up the mountain and leave us. We're going without you to the promised land. Like, yeah. But like they're going to die. Yeah, there's no regulation. How are they supposed to, you know, have any confidence that like they would be free for longer than a day or two? None. I mean, it was a wild insecurity, an age of anxiety, I'm sure. (laughs) They're like the rabbis of the Sanhedrin. Like, no, we really just had the same exact conversation and came to the same realizations that they did. Yep. And I love this story from. Barachot 32a about that conversation between Moses and God because it says exactly you know you know the same realization that we came to that like huh they they stole the gold and silver they must have used that gold on the golden calf yeah like there's no way that calf wasn't made out of it oh my god like they were slaves they didn't have gold like that's the thing that I think about all the time when Aaron's like give me all your gold it had to have been stolen gold because they were slaves. They didn't own anything. Yeah. Right. Like, where did you even get that gold from? And like, it's like, that's money. Like, it's the same thing. Like, you give like a prisoner, an ex-prisoner, a couple mm-hmm. hundred thousand dollars, like in reparations, they're going to go spend it all. And they're not going to know what to do with it because they're not, you know, they were slaves. They weren't trained on, you know, how to be fiscally responsible or like how to have patience or how to have gratitude. And like, yeah, I think like in actuality, like rep- reparations are, are, I think are necessary in this day and age, but it's not just reparations. It has to come with reparations and rehabilitation. Like, you know, obviously this is the Torah days. There is, there, there was no like, you know, finance 101 but (laughs) true the people needed a little bit of of uh yeah yeah thanks for listening to hot girl torah this week you can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts and on instagram at hot girl torah we'll see you next time